Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to episode 70 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. I'm Rebecca Coombs and I'm your host for today's show. And it's just me on today's show. I'm going to be talking all about how to travel successfully with SIBO. Now, talking about travel, I've got a super exciting event coming up in 2019, and that is the world's first SIBO retreat in Bali, Indonesia. Kirsten Swales and I are joining forces to bring you this four-day luxurious retreat where you can take a vacation from your SIBO. We will be pampering you with delicious SIBO-friendly food, running some awesome workshops so you can learn more about this condition, and we'll be spending plenty of time on pampering with things like yoga and massages and meditation so you can really relax and unwind. Now, places are strictly limited, and at the moment we're taking expressions of interest. So if this sounds like something you would love to do, then let us know. There's no requirement to book a spot just yet, but it does help us to know that you're interested in coming along. So head to thehealthygut.com forward slash SIBO retreat to find out more. On today's show, I'm going to be talking about how to travel successfully with SIBO. I've just come back from an amazing vacation in Vanuatu, and I'm sharing with you all my top tips on how to prepare for going away, how to physically manage the travel itself, and then how to cope with your um, experience once you're there. If you would like to get access to today's show notes, or to sign up as a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast so you can get the full transcription from today's show, all you need to do is head to thehealthygut.com forward slash travel. So let's start with my top tips on what to do before you go traveling. One of the first things is to speak with your practitioner about it. 
I sit down with my practitioner, my naturopath, Natalie Crutterden from Resonance Complementary Therapies, and I talk to her about where I'm going, what some of my concerns may be around the sanitation of the location, for instance, and we look at what medication I'm currently taking and then whether I need a top-up of any of that because you don't want to run out of your SIBO medication when you're away, and whether there are other things that I could be taking just to support my gut health to support my immune system. So speak with your practitioner first and fill up on your prescriptions and your medications. Depending on how you're getting there, if you're flying somewhere, do speak to the airline about your requirements and particularly when it comes to food. Now, as of yet, there isn't a SIBO meal option on the plane, but I know many people can tolerate certain items of food. So speak to the the airline and see what meal is going to be best for you. I find that because I can eat quite broadly these days, I can normally pick and choose sufficiently well with the standard meal although I often do order the gluten-free meal. But I have noticed you don't just don't get as much food when you order one of these special meals. And so it's also really important that you take some of your own food. I, I find it really necessary to take some snacks. There's nothing worse than being absolutely ravenous, starving on the plane and not having anything that you can eat. So this is my third tip on before you travel, and that is packing snacks and your own food. Things like little containers of nuts or seeds, um, things like beef jerky or salmon jerky can be really great. Uh, if you don't mind annoying your fellow passengers even hard-boiled eggs that you've pre-shelled at home uh, can be a great snack as well I have been known to make up little containers of salad and having some hard-boiled egg and some tins of tuna in it I'll often eat these things these more perishable items early in the trip and I'll save my items like the nuts and seeds and jerky for later in the trip when it doesn't matter if they haven't been refrigerated for a while. Flying uh, and travelling can be incredibly dehydrating. So my next tip is to start getting really hydrated before you start travelling. Drink plenty of water in the lead up to hitting the um, getting on the train the plane the bus or even in the car and if you're changing time zones I do like to start shifting towards that time zone uh, several days before I head off on my vacation now that might mean you need to start staying up a little bit later every night or going to bed earlier it really depends on which way you're traveling and whether there is a time zone difference So they're my tips before you travel. Now I've got some tips on when you're traveling and how I survive this process. 
Like I said before, traveling is incredibly dehydrating. So one of the first things I do is once I've passed through security and if you're flying on a plane, they won't let you fly with lots of water, for instance. So I will either take my water bottles and I'll have them empty and I'll fill them up once I get through security or I'll go and buy a couple of bottles, big bottles of water so that I can stay really, really hydrated on the plane. Now with that comes needing to go to the toilet. So I always request an aisle seat so that I can get up and go to the toilet easily. I'm sure some people think that there must be something wrong with me because I'm up and down and up and down on flights, but it's because I'm drinking so much water. And even still, I still feel very dehydrated at the end of it. If I had to keep saying, excuse me, excuse me, to the people that were sitting next to me, if I was, say, on a window seat, I'd feel embarrassed. I'm sure I'd get annoying and I don't want to do that. Now, I know I said it can be really useful to speak to the airline about the type of meal that you can eat on the plane, but there's nothing wrong with fasting while you're traveling. I regularly do 24-hour fasts, and so there's not really any difference for me doing a 24-hour fast when I'm at home or doing it when I'm in the air or on a train. Given that international or long-haul travel can be really challenging to the migrating motor complex and our digestive system, particularly if we're sat for many hours at a time, everything's kind of scrunched up in our gut. I often feel that not putting food into my gut can be really supportive. It's compromised as it is. My gut is quite sensitive. I um, definitely feel things more readily than others. I have uh, visceral hypersensitivity. And if you'd like to know more about that, head back to my interview with Dr. Megan Taylor, where we talk about visceral hypersensitivity. And that's episode 58. And so I can find myself getting really badly bloated on planes, regardless of what I do. So if you're someone like me, then fasting can just ease the pressure on the gut. It's not having to digest, deal with all of that cabin pressure, deal with the change of time zones. All it needs to do is just focus on being. If you do decide to eat, I always go um, for eating lightly. Uh, You're putting your digestive system under pressure by traveling. So eat uh, as cleanly and healthily and lightly as you can. Don't go for those really rich or fatty foods because that's putting so much more pressure on the digestive system. It's asking it to do a lot more work. So go for the steamed vegetables and the lighter food. Now, with regards to alcohol on flights, alcohol is naturally very dehydrating. And when we're in the air, if we're traveling on a plane, we're subject to really intense cabin pressure and we get very dehydrated, dehydrated so much quicker than when we're on the ground. So alcohol speeds up that process. So if you are wanting to stay hydrated, then avoiding alcohol is probably best. I will say though that I do find a glass of wine with my meal really helps me to sleep. So if you can tolerate it, um, you might like to do that. I just drink so much water, so I'm trying to really combat the dehydrating effects, but one glass of wine does help put me to sleep. 
If you're like me and you get really badly bloated when you're traveling, activated charcoal can be your best friend. I take it when I'm traveling. Just be mindful not to take it at the same time as any medications or supplements because it will absorb them. But it can help to alleviate that excess gas. Um, it can help to absorb it and alleviate some of that pressure. Now, if you're in a position where you can get up and move around, then do. It really helps to A, stand upright so you're not all squished into a seated position and kind of compacting and squishing your digestive system together. Um, so standing up can be really great. And then walking around. So if you're on a plane, just walking up and down the aisles, um, going down the back of the plane where the toilets are or the cabin crew are and standing there. I like to do that to kind of stretch my legs, spin my ankles around, do some basic stretches. And I'll often stand there and rub my gut. It really helps to move that any bloating or congestion that you've got in that area. I always wear loose-fitting clothes, such as yoga pants. Um, I think, it, think it's really important that we're comfortable on a plane and I never wear anything that's tight-fitting around my waist because I know I bloat regardless of what I do when I get on a plane. My, with the visceral hypersensitivity, the cabin pressure is just quite a lot for my gut and I will always end up quite swollen. I'll always wear some pants or trousers that can stretch or that I can undo easily without anyone uh, being too aware that I'm undoing my trousers. So yoga pants are really great, particularly if they've got an elasticated waist. But no one wants to see the big bloated belly displayed and out there. So I uh, really focus on layering my clothes. So I, I might wear a, a looser fitting top, I'll have a low, uh, a long flowing cardigan and I also have my trusty scarf which I then drape across me. Now a key to my scarf is that I do spray either a little bit of perfume or some uh, oils on it because you are guaranteed to smell farts on planes, particularly long-haul ones. People just do not hold them in. And there's nothing worse than being sitting there and you might be watching your movie and the most horrific smell comes past your nose. So I use my scarf as my fart <laughs> protector and I wrap it round my face. And I, on a recent flight when I was coming back from the States, I, I was sat in the middle row. So I had three guys next to me and I think they all took it in turns to fart the entire way back from Los Angeles to Australia. That's 15 and a half hours of fart time and my trusty scarf and I sat there and I didn't have to smell it. I looked a bit strange because I had a scarf wrapped around my neck and my face but I don't care. I don't need to smell anybody else's stinky farts. So there's a tip for you guys on how to deal with other people's smells. Now, talking about the surface and the area that you're sitting, this is a really key one. People are germy. They can be quite disgusting. It's amazing what they can find on the surfaces of the seats and the tray tables in planes. So I take antibacterial wipes with me and I'll wipe down the surfaces. I'll wipe down the tray table, the seat belt, the armrest, anywhere that I'm going to sit that's got a hard surface that I can wipe. 
I don't care if people look at me quite strangely. I'd rather protect myself. I know my immune system is compromised. I know I'm way more likely to pick up an infection and gastro or some kind of tummy bug than the average person because of SIBO and all of the um, issues I've had over the years with food poisoning and those types of incidences. So I protect myself. And I suggest that you do the same. Wipe the areas down. When it comes to really germy places, guys, wear shoes when you go to the toilet. I am aghast when I'm sitting on an aeroplane, particularly the long haul flights, like when I'm flying to and from the States and people walk into the toilets towards the end of the flight when they're quite disgusting with no shoes on. I feel like screaming out to them, what is wrong with you? Why are you walking in there with no shoes? Do you not know how many germs you're about to get exposed to? So here's my tip on how to manage that. You might wear a pair of shoes on the plane that you don't want to have to keep putting on and off. So in my carry-on luggage, I pack a pair of flip-flops. I wrap them in a little plastic bag. And when I'm um, ready to go into the toilet, I just slip them on my feet. I do wear the compression socks when I'm on a plane. So I look um, a little bit funny with my socks and then my flip-flops, but it's much easier um, slipping them on and walking into the toilet than it is putting, you know, boots or whatever that I was wearing originally um, on my feet. Uh, I do take my antibacterial wipes in there, so I'll wipe down the door handle um, and any other surfaces that I might touch. Another key I've got to travelling successfully is to invest in noise cancelling headphones to block out those unwanted sounds and also just to block out the underlying sound that the transport you're using creates. So planes are getting quieter but there's still a constant hum that you hear in the background and that can be quite exhausting especially if you're on a long-haul flight and you're travelling for many hours. I use the Bose noise cancelling headphones they have been the best thing I have ever invested in in terms of surviving travel particularly when there is a child that's not having a great time and they're crying or screaming as they can sometimes get and I just put my noise cancelling headphones on I might put on some music and I do not have to listen to it Um, I'm all about uh, getting to my destination feeling refreshed and blocking out unwanted noises can reduce a lot of stress and anxiety It can be really stressful listening to someone screaming, a child screaming or a baby crying or even having people in the row ahead or behind you talking nonstop. Um, I've had that on flights where people have sat uh, either a row behind me or ahead of me and they've drunk and chatted the entire flight and it's really hard to get to sleep when you can just hear chitter chatter. So those headphones really work wonderfully. I've also invested in a really comfortable neck pillow so I can go to sleep and have my head supported and I don't wake up with that really uncomfortable neck. Plain pillows just do not cut it for me and I want to prevent myself from getting a neck neck that's out of alignment which always leads to a really strong headache for me. And I always take my own eye mask to block out the light. 
even though planes, if you're traveling overnight, will often be dimmed quite a lot, there is still some light so that people can see their way around the aisles. And I like to block the I I use I like to wear the eye mask so that I a don't get that light in my eyes, and also that I don't see other people. Sometimes it's nice just to tune out. Now, when it comes to sleeping when you're traveling, I try to get into the time zone as soon as I get on that plane. So I have my watch set for my new destination time zone. And then I try to go to sleep at the time that it is evening where I'm turning up. Sometimes it's really difficult because it might be early in the morning for you. So I might use a sleeping aid to help me with that. So I love Cortisol Manager by Integrative Therapeutics. That works really well for me. And I also really enjoy taking NeuroCalm. That works well. And at on occasions, I will use melatonin. I do find it gives me pretty intense dreams and I can end up feeling pretty groggy from it. So I don't use it all that frequently, but I, I have used it at times. I've got loads more just like this coming up after this break. We're back in a moment. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you've got medications that you need to be taking when you're on the flight, um, I do recommend getting one of those little cool bags and putting a cool pack in it so you can keep them nice and cold. I find planes really cold. So if you put the um, cool bag up in the baggage hold, I find that it will generally stay pretty cool up there. I do like to keep with me a... a um, selection of my medications. I always plan for the worst. So if your baggage is delayed or it goes missing, that you've still got enough medication with you or SIBO supplements or um, antimicrobials that you can last several days until you can get more or your bags arrive. And speaking of being cold, I always like to have extra clothes rather than less. There's nothing worse than being freezing cold on a flight and not being able to do anything about it. And I, talking about clothes, I like to pack a spare pair of underwear and a different top uh, so that if the worst comes to the worst and my baggage is delayed or it goes missing, as has happened to me a few times, I can at least change my underwear when I get to my new destination and put on some clothing that's more appropriate for the climate where I'm going to, particularly if I'm swapping uh, seasons, if I'm going from winter to summer or vice versa. 
Something that I've been using more recently on my flights when I do travel is the Biocidin throat spray. This is an antibacterial throat spray and it can help to prevent uh, infections coming from other passengers. I think we've all been on planes where you sit down and you realise that you've got someone nearby that is coughing non-stop. And I look at those people and I think, oh no, I'm going to get that. I don't want whatever you've got. And so if we can protect our uh, nasal passageways and our um, all those oral cavities where bacteria will come in through breath, then that can help to either um, help us not get it or reduce the severity. So I take my biocide and throat spray, spray on the plane. It is a small enough uh, little pump spray that I can take it on that it's not um, over the, the liquid allowance that you're allowed on planes. And then I'd spray it in my throat when I first got on the plane. And then I literally spray it every hour, regardless of whether somebody near me is coughing or not, because that air on a plane is recycled. Someone could be all the way down the other end of the plane and they're pumping out all of those germs into the air that I might end up getting. And I also try to keep my skin really well hydrated. Uh, so I use a really lovely paleo skincare from Ecology Skincare. And it's a beautiful, rich moisturizing cream made out of tallow. And I use that on my face and my hands. And I particularly use it around my, um, around my nose and my lips so that they stay nice and hydrated to help with the immune system action. So they're my tips, guys, on what to do when you're physically traveling uh, and when you have SIBO. So now I'm going to share with you what you do when you arrive at your destination. The first thing I do is I get outside and I go for a walk. So I'll dump my luggage wherever it is that I'm staying. I'll change into some new clothes. I'll have a shower because let's be honest, a shower feels great when you've been traveling. And then I'll go outside. And if you can, depending on the time of day, get some sunshine on your skin. Look into the into uh, the light, not necessarily look at the sun, but get lots of bright natural light through your eyes. It really does help to readjust your circadian rhythm. I've even read about uh, taking your shoes and socks off and standing on some grass or going into a park and really... Um, it's believed that that can help ground you to the new destination. Now, I haven't done that every single time. I have done it sometimes, but I just think getting outside uh, has been really, really beneficial to me. Given that I've been sitting still for many hours generally, and I'm, I'm thinking now when I fly to the US, so it's a long flight, um, I've been sitting still for a really long time. I haven't been doing anything to support the motility of my gut. So I go for walks. Now, I'm not talking about you know, doing really intense, high energetic walking. I'm talking about gentle strolling. Travel is really taxing on the body, particularly when we have a condition like SIBO. So be kind to your body, but go for a nice gentle walk. I use it to familiarize myself with my surroundings, go and you know, breathe in some fresh air, get the sun on my skin. 
I might go for a walk for, say, 30 minutes, just casually stroll around my new destination. If I'm feeling really good, I might go for longer, but it's just nice and gentle. Because our gut has been through a lot, particularly if we've been seated and we've been still for many hours, I like to ease my gut into food in my new destination. So I don't choose heavy, rich, high fatty food. Instead, I eat really lightly. A meal I ate when I first arrived in Los Angeles was I went and purchased some um, fresh uh, wild caught salmon and I just grilled that and then I had some steamed green vegetables with it. So really light food, um, really fresh and it was absolutely delicious and that was it just felt great for my gut. I do minimise the alcohol that I'm drinking when I first arrive. Remember, just because you're off the plane doesn't mean you're not still dehydrated. So either avoid alcohol or really keep it to a minimum and make sure you're drinking plenty of water to help overcome the dehydration. And use digestive aids to help uh, keep your digestive system moving or to help kickstart it again. I'm loving Motility Activator by Integrative Therapeutics. It is amazing. I am just finding it just to be so supportive and it's really helping me to go to the toilet every day. Prior to that, I used Motul Pro um, and I really enjoyed it. And um, so I also recommend Motul Pro if people are looking for something to help them um, open their bowels, particularly when you're prone to constipation. Magnesium is also something that can be really great for that. If you've experienced some um, diarrhea with the travel and the change in travel, again, be really kind and gentle to your gut. Uh, activated charcoal could be something that could be enough to help um, move uh, whatever's you know aggravating the gut through. And don't forget, travel in and of itself can be enough of an aggravating factor to really put your digestive system out of whack for a few days. So if it takes you some time to get back into your normal routine, don't stress about it. You've just gone through some travel, particularly if you've changed time zones. Be kind and gentle to your body. If you're wanting some additional things to help support the motility of your gut, I love the yoga channel, Yoga with Adrienne. And she's even got a yoga video for travel. Isn't that fantastic? So make sure you head to the show notes page where I've got that linked in for you, thehealthygut.com forward slash travel. And that's what I did when I uh, when I travel. I turn on her YouTube channel, and you know what's great about YouTube? You can watch it from your phone, your iPad, your computer. You can cast it to a TV, or you can bring it up on a TV that uh, has the internet. It's wonderful. And so I just do these really gentle yoga routines, um, and I really enjoy her videos. So check it out, Yoga with Adrienne. Now, on the first day when you arrive at your um, holiday or vacation destination, if you have changed time zones, I think it's really good to try and stay awake as long as you can. And I do try to stay awake until a reasonable bedtime. Now, that might be 8 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. Maybe I could get myself to 9 p.m. But I do try to stay awake for the whole day and I try not to nap 
but I will tell you what I do when I do nap. Um, But I do try to stay awake until bedtime. I'm normally a pretty good sleeper on the first night of um, getting to a new place and it's often not until the second or third or fourth night that my sleep might become a little bit disrupted. And I do use a natural sleeping aid to help me get to sleep. So I might use something like NeuroCalm. Um, I might use the cortisol manager from Integrative Therapeutics. And if you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night, then I will... um, I will turn on one of my meditation podcasts or apps and that will often help me get back to sleep. I'll put one of my meditation routines for sleep on and I'll often be able to get myself back into sleep. But if I can't, then I will get up, I'll go and have a drink of water, I'll take myself out of the bedroom and I'll just be gentle and kind to myself. You know, I don't, there's no point getting frustrated about it. It just is what it is. And then when I'm feeling tired again, I'll go back into the bedroom and I'll go to sleep. Now, I said I'd share with you what I do for napping because there are times when you just cannot survive the day. So the key is keep it short. I I will nap in a well-lit room. I don't go into a bedroom that's really dark and um, lacking of light. I actually want the light so that my body knows it's not bedtime because your body will be screaming out for sleep. And I keep it really short. So I try to work within the natural sleep cycles. It takes about 90 minutes to go through a full sleep cycle. So I'll generally keep my nap at about the 90-minute mark. So it's just enough time to go through a cycle and then I'm getting out of it again before I start going back into really deep sleep. Now, something I've heard in terms of recovering from jet lag, if you have changed time zones, is that it can take one whole day to recover from each one hour of time zone change. So if you're changing uh, seven hours, then it could take you seven days to recover from it. So again, use that information. Be kind to yourself, guys. If you are experiencing jet lag, just roll with it and do give yourself the time to recover and readjust to your new time zone by doing all of these things that I've just talked about. And finally, guys, in terms of approaching travel, I know for some of you it might feel completely unrealistic to travel. I don't think that SIBO should stop us living our life. SIBO is really uncomfortable at times. It can be a downright pain in the proverbial backside, but it's not a life sentence. We will recover from SIBO. It might take us a long time, but we should be getting better. So if you're like me and you absolutely love traveling, don't let SIBO stop you. Just do what you can and use it to get out and experience life. Like there's so many wonderful places to see on this planet. There's amazing people to meet. There's amazing food to eat and we don't need to be terrified of it. I've recently been in Vanuatu and I got to eat some amazing local produce that they grow on the island. Now, I was a little bit nervous eating some of this food because they eat a lot of root vegetables. And we know that root vegetables are often very starchy, very fibrous. And I was thinking, what is my SIBO going to do when I eat this food? The amazing thing was, guys, that I ate all of those quite interesting root vegetables with absolutely no ill effect. 
I couldn't believe it. And in fact, my gut felt the best it has felt in a long time. And I put that down to the fact that the food in Vanuatu is grown locally, it's seasonal, it's naturally organic because they're not using herbicides or pesticides or chemicals to grow their food. It hasn't been genetically modified and it's cooked fresh. And I think by being able to experience all of this amazing local produce, it really heightens the experience you have. In other traveling experiences I've had, such as when I've gone to France, I've been able to eat gluten in quantities that I normally wouldn't be able to get away with in Australia. And again, I put that down to the fact that the gluten and the wheat crops are very different to what we see in Australia and the US. Their crops aren't nearly as heavily sprayed like they are in the US and Australia. And the bread is made to be eaten then and there. They have several rounds of baking during the day at the bakeries or the boulangeries. And the bread doesn't contain all, contain all of the preservatives and chemicals and uh, shelf life ingredients to make bread last for weeks. And so it can be really liberating to go to a new country and try this new food and feel good with it. So I really encourage you to experiment, try a little bit of food and see what you can tolerate. You might surprise yourself and be able to eat some really fantastic food. If you do go in a flare when you've traveled, remember it's not permanent, it will pass. It can feel very disheartening when you go into a flare, but do all of the things that I've talked about already. Lots of water, go for gentle walks, activated charcoal is my friend when I'm traveling, and I just give my body time. But I find when I'm on vacation, I'm not nearly as stressed as I normally am, and my symptoms, if they do present themselves, stick around a lot shorter than if I'm at home. When it comes to choosing a destination to travel to when you have SIBO, go with somewhere you're comfortable with before venturing into a more exotic destination. So for instance, you might choose to go to Canada before you go to India. Now there's a lot of, uh, I'd love to go to India, but I know that I need to be in a really great position with my gut before I, I put it in a situation where it will be a complete onslaught onslaught of microbes that I've never experienced before and I don't want to yet uh, go and have a very bad gut experience by going to a place like India as much as I'd love to go. So start with a um, place that you feel comfortable with where the hygiene is more in line with what your body is used to and you might even like to start with a smaller amount of time. So you might go for a week instead of 10 days. And like I said before, speak to your practitioner about your travel plans. Have a plan in place with your medications and supplements. I know that my naturopath and I have made sure I've got my SIBO medication. And then I've taken, I've taken supplements, herbal supplements that are designed to help with parasite infections or bacterial infections. And so if I feel that I've picked up a bug when I'm traveling, I can take them and I can be on the front foot of dealing with it rather than waiting until I get back home and then having to deal with it and possibly be in quite a bad state. So have a strategy in place with your practitioner and stick to it. And finally, guys, my approach to travel is have fun. 
go out and live life. Don't let SIBO be a life sentence. It doesn't need to be. We can make it a life sentence, but we don't have to. Go and live life. See the world if that's something you'd like to do. I know it's something I'm absolutely passionate about. And uh, share with me your amazing travels. Make sure you come and uh, let me know on where you're going on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I'm on all the major social media platforms and I absolutely love hearing from you. And I'd love for you to tag me in any of your traveling posts. So I hope you found today's podcast helpful. If you'd like the show notes from the episode or you would like to sign up as a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast, and it's absolutely free to do that, just head to thehealthygut.com forward slash travel. And as a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast, you get all of the transcriptions from season two. So it's really worthwhile signing up as a member, guys, and it's absolutely free to do so. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Red Lemon Productions for the production and original music score of this podcast. To find out more about their services, head to redlemonproductions.com. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Thank you.